I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job with the pacing so far too, with the yeah. working around yeah. that kind of shorter uh, two-hour time. Um, mm -hmm. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Crossside Chat, our weekly live stream post-session discussion where we talk about what just happened during D and D. This is the chat for session twenty-five. So please go watch that session first, because there will be spoilers. I am your DM, Eric, and joining me is a Val Robbins player, Chris. Hello! And maybe we'll get Edmunds player, Raymond. He's had some gnarly baby aggro tonight. <laughs> uh, but for now, we can talk about what just happened, which was, a lot of it was that Ice Toad fight, um, which that was the encounter I had planned, like, two weeks ago, because yeah. if you look at that big... Uh, Icewind Dale map. Uh, there is a river between um, East Haven and Sunblight. <laughs> this is what we, we talked about this one, yes. right? Like this is this is this is your stopgap. This was a stopgap. Like, yeah, slow yeah. you guys down. Have the encounter. I'm not, you know, it's not a hex call or anything, but I figure, you know, there there's some good encounters in the book. So, you know, and, and the wider area is certainly dangerous than being on the roads. Mm -hmm. However, this encounter is not from the book at all. Oh. Nor are these creatures. That's surprising. Where it is. From? It is a little surprising. Um, I asked the. I had a little trivia moment for the crafting stream this week, and asked them what uh, ice-themed creature I would use that does not appear in *Rime of the Frost Maiden*. So you didn't know when you. I, no, I did. I did at that time. Oh, I did. Oh, at that time you did. Oh, okay. I hadn't. Um, this is the crafting before the last crafting. Well, this was okay. last crafting, so maybe I just didn't announce that. Maybe I didn't talk about that event yet. Oh, okay. That was still a surprise. But you knew going into last session what yes. the monsters were. Okay. Yeah, but only like for the very um, beginning. I I knew it was I was going to stop it at the moment where that they happened, yeah, so yeah, I didn't yeah. plan out like how many I was going to use or what the strategy was or anything there. Right. So I didn't include the actual thing. It, that it was one of those like end of episode things where it could have been anything because yes, you just described like shadows under the water. So you could have replaced the monster, and none, we would have never never known. <laughs> I could have, but I did have the same idea, which was um. I don't know how I found them. I think I was looking at something else for creatures to use of a certain like level range and of a certain type. And I saw a giant ice toad and I was like, well, that sounds interesting. And apparently it's from Tales from the Young Portal. It's from like oh. one of the old like modules. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess talk about the creatures, but they're, they have their monstrosities. They have like an intelligence of eight. So they're not just beasts. Yeah. Although they don't speak. And they're just super-powered toads. I mean, they just have the bite and swallow action that toads do. But they're pretty beefy. An average of 50 hit points. Yeah. And they have that incredible cold aura, which is auto uh, 1d10 cold damage to anybody that starts its turn within 10 feet of them. Yeah. Like, that's which pretty gnarly. deceptively effective. Yes. Like, it doesn't feel like there's a no lot save, the moment, There's no save. There's no attack roll. Yeah. It's just you are taking this damage. And yeah. because that fight happened, I basically spawned them right next to you guys. Everybody's starting taking that damage quite a bit. You obviously were able to teleport away, but uh, that was doing fucking work. It's a little bit... It, it's, it's, the, it's those kinds of abilities that I like in monsters. I really did like these monsters. That synergize very well. Because not only is it... Does it do damage, auto damage around it? It also has ways of holding people, like keeping them near yes. it. Yes. It bites and, and it swallows and you're yeah. you're next to it the entire time. Yeah, it only has, it's a CR3. Um, It only has the one action, which is obviously the bite. 
It's a plus five to hit, so it's not doesn't look that strong on paper, but the damage it does is very solid, average of ten damage. And when it attacks, it grapples and restrains you because it's putting you in yeah. its mouth, which is a big fucking deal because then they have disadvantage on things. Right. And it was interesting that some players decided to escape and others decided, like, well, I'm just going to hack at it. But then if it takes its... Which you guys didn't know this the first time, which was great. If you're still in there, when it takes its turn again, it can then do the swallow action where it basically has to attack again, but now it's got advantage. Deals the same damage, and then you become blinded and restrained... It's kind of the swallow, you know. You got you're you can't be affected by outside forces, and then you take yeah. a fuck ton of damage if you it's if it goes another damage. round. Yeah, three d six acid and two d ten cold, and it's presumably you're still taking the cold. Goal becomes get out yes. of there, like don't be there again. Yeah, but it becomes interesting because I think like your misty step, then you have to see like where you teleport. So like you couldn't teleport out of the stomach. Interesting. I don't know. I have to reread again. I'd have to reread that too. Yeah. Um, but I thought Thimbleweed's egress was hilarious. And keep in mind, I didn't plan on eating him. Like, I literally did leave that up to the dice. I used yeah, that token fate yeah. thing because I realized, uh, and I talked about this in crafting, that I didn't. there was no discussion of marching order or anything. So it felt very disingenuous for me to just throw your tokens on the map and be like, oh, well, the toad's popping up here. I guess I'm attacking Edmund or something. Yeah. So I, I used is, that. That is the, we talked about this in like the second episode or something. We were all like, well, why, what, like, what good is that Swarmkeeper thing? You move yourself five feet. Like, yeah. What, who cares? But then I think somebody in the chat, in that session, it's, like, well, it's, it's, it's to get yourself out of restraints. Yeah. To get, if someone's grappling you, if someone's restraining you, you can just auto-move yourself out of it. Yeah. Like, because it doesn't, it, it's not stopped by that stuff. Very true. Yeah. It's it's funny how those things, especially before we played a whole lot of D&D, you look at those little movement abilities, you're like, that's not very useful. And after you play a bunch, you're like, oh, shit, even... Like it's amazing how how, amazing. how shoving an enemy like ten feet doesn't seem that u- useful, but then you play in all these environments. You're like, God, that'd be so incredible! Just knock people around and into fucking pits and fires and shit. Yep. And yeah, it becomes very useful. And for the yeah, and then we use it both ways. I think he knocked a, a put a toad further away so he could run away from it, and then obviously got himself out, which was hilarious. Which I didn't know how to rule that, but I was like, fuck it, this is just hilarious and amazing. So I'm just gonna let it happen without any yeah, kind of like, yeah. you know, check or anything. I mean, we're at that point where, I mean, it mechanically didn't do anything but move him five feet, but you let you let the the uh, you know the flare of it really go wild, which was just fun, you know, yeah. like yeah, he traveled the entire dungeon in six seconds. I have so sure. much Halloween candy. I'm gonna start eating it. Wow! All right, I'm I'm eating almonds, Eric. Mm. You want some Snickers? Because I got like seven. I, I got like seventeen would, of these tiny fucking Snickers. I would love some. <laughs> I have a giant fucking. We for the first time this year, I think we had more candy than we gave out. And then oh. I've got I got two kids now, so and I pulled the one. Yeah, I, the, I pulled the one in the wagon, and and my sister was visiting us, and and she had a little bag for the baby, so I, we got all kinds of fucking candy. Yeah. Good shit. Um. Yeah, I thought these guys were very fun. I. When you're playing with um, literal monsters, though, like, yes, it's more efficient DM uh, on the DM side to fight to the death because you get as many actions as possible. But it's not realistic for a creature just that was coming up for food to just be like, you know, it's got eight hit points left. Is it going to try to bite something? There's still four enemies around. Like, no, it's going to fucking right. take its turn, disengage. And I didn't even try to do a thing of, oh, I'm going to bite and then run away and take two attacks of opportunity. Like, no, this thing is smart enough where it's just going to disengage and leave. So that did swing the fight a bit in um, your guys' favor because essentially there was one 
probably on average one fewer attack from three of those four toads. Right. To the left. Yeah, because they all left, like, they were all at 10 or less hit points, which was kind of, I didn't have a, a hard and fast rule, but, you know, pretty much around 10% or maybe below 20%, uh, they would just spend their action just leaving the way they came and just leave the fight. Uh, you yeah, guys... I, think, I think that's fine for, like, like, like you said, like, monsters who are hunting us for food. It's like, yeah, sure, they just, you hurt them and they back off. It's, that, that, that works for me. Got a fucking Rice Krispies treat. Damn you. Mmm, God. It's been so long since I had one of those. <laughs> I thought briefly, um, when I had swallowed thimbleweed, to dive into the fucking ice. What would we have done I then? don't know. <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, he's just fucked at that point. <laughs> I can see out of a movie then. He comes out of the frog. If he gets out of the frog, he's still under the ice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I literally thought of that. I was like, God, if I was really like playing to the nines on Ruthless Tactics, yeah. that toad, because that's probably what it would do. It would just eat somebody and then dive back and in the water and digest leave. it down there. Yep. And then, but I just, I felt too bad. I was like, what's gonna, what are they going to fucking do? Like he's... I, well, and, at that point, I know he was—he had that brilliant idea to escape. I just thought, like, literally, if nobody comes and rescues him or kills, if nobody kills this toad, he is dead. He's going to digest mm -hmm. in this toad, right? Knowing that he could have escaped that way would have been maybe a little more interesting. As he escapes in the frozen water, okay, now you're making con saves, and maybe you got to make athletics checks, and it, it could have been interesting. But I literally was right. like, I mean, I could do this, but like, I—I I would be so scared about just fucking him over, destroying him. <laughs> <laughs> One two punch. Yeah, so it was a brief moment where I was like, "Ah, you could jump in the water, or I could just let them fight." And and they were smart enough to at least, you know, escape when they got low enough. Yeah, yeah, that ended up being a pretty cool fight. Not at all. There's no frozen river encounter. There's no ice toads. None of that is in, uh, Rum of the Frost Maiden. Okay. So it's just a uh... neat creatures. Yeah, that's yeah. They were they were cool. They were they were very effective. Like I said, like the, the synergy of like. <clears throat> them biting and holding and restraining and doing auto damage every turn. Yeah. I feel like made them really like deceptively effective because I it didn't feel like they were doing like a whole lot dangerous, but you know, they, they restrained three of us. They, they actually not swallowed, but, but you know, yeah, it, it, it feel like I was missing a lot, but honestly, um, it, yeah, I, I did it, it towards the end. At least I was, Pretty satisfied when I grabbed uh, Frey, which you had a great moment where the, that was awesome when you did the command to spit him out. I was like, that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> what a great use of that spell. And then getting Celeste at the end, although she was able to pry herself out. So it, it creates an interesting dynamic when you add that extra layer of having to free your teammates. Or or not, as you guys did. Or not, or just ignore it, let them, let them we figure it out. <laughs> yeah. He had it. Then you guys, uh, guys arrived at Corkaloke. Which is a very impressive goblin fortress, which I guess I can spoil a little bit now because you've kind of gotten to the uh, kind of twist moment. Mm, yeah. Um, this is a case where, kind of similar to the Care Denival one, where it's, it's not a hostile location, but there's, you know, extra things going on, and it's really up to you guys how you handle uh, social checks or all these different events and it's basically just complications I'm throwing at you like one complication was that goblin uh, saying you need to leave your weapons behind and I know as a player I don't want to leave my fucking weapon behind yeah you know 
And I did, and I loved that Raymond picked up on this, that like, well, I don't have any visible weapons. Like, I'm a fucking spellcaster with a mechanical arm. Right. Which I thought is a neat, and, and obviously for you too, I was like, that's a cool way for the spellcasters to be like, oh, I don't need weapons. Uh, you know, all my shit's yeah. natural, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, I was, it was just a way to see, like, what, what do you guys do? How do you handle that? Do you, yeah, do you cast some kind of spells? Do you try sleight of hand? Just... You know, I would have. I, I was fully willing to like try some spell stuff, and, like like yeah. sneak us in with the, with the weapons. But at the end, it seemed like the they didn't really want to mess with it. So I was like, all right, yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. it's fine. Which it seemed like that that may have solved another complication, which I don't know if this was a major complication that you intended or not. But it seemed like those goblins are ready to eat her reindeer. Well, what that did because Frey decided to stay behind is I thought. Okay, now, now you have something for her to do. Yeah. So, okay, maybe a few goblins are going to start sneaking and steal some shit from you guys. And it was it was not meant to be a combat situation either way. Like, I didn't want to do it. Right. But, I, you know, I fully expected to just have this be a social thing. I mean, Frey could obviously, like, you know, knock somebody out or, or intimidate or do whatever. But it was just a way to, like, highlight, okay, this is happening and you can do it. And unfortunately, she shit the pit on the perception roll. It's like, well, shit. <laughs> you don't notice what's going on. That's that. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing happens. Yeah. You guys might find uh, come back and find yourselves slightly robbed, maybe. That's great. <laughs> um, and yeah, inside the fortress, um, it's pretty much a lot of uh just social environmental stuff and again it's up to you guys if you wanted to split up if you want to have somebody sneak off and do stuff i think we just discussed this before though this reminds me of um at caradineval where we don't have that kind of party necessarily that we have had previously where you have the rogue character or you have that mischievous character that would go off uh and kind of sneak around and do other things you guys actually kind of play everything pretty straight and narrow yeah yeah kind of I mean, it's it's kind of a rarity in these kinds of situations where where it's not hostile, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like like a maybe not. Dip, dip, well, like, like it's a not a traditional level. dungeon. It, I, I keep liking this to that Caradineval situation because that one also was not a hostile environment, at yeah. least until you guys made it a hostile environment. Right. You know what? The the one time that I can remember off the top of my head that we really did have that was Prince of the Apocalypse. Um, yes. That air that air tower where. Yep. It was totally non-hostile, but Raymond's rogue was just like, I'm just going to, like, just break off and just explore and just, on yeah, my own. Yeah, open doors and get in everything. Yeah, for sure. That's, yeah, that's often the one I cite. Class? I think or... the, the, for, for uh, Tomb of Annihilation, we had the faint, the temple, the, uh, what do you call it? UNT temple. And oh, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Uh, Raymond ended up going off on, on that one on his own as well. That's true. He did. Exploring actually, a bit. Yeah. And you guys end up splitting the party a little bit. That one's kind of hard to even remember. Cause we, I, I, at one point, like we had like three different locations. Yeah, yeah was you you were not around. your character for an entire session in that in, in one of those. Yeah. You were busy yeah. like transforming into a Yuanti at the time. <laughs> um, spoilers for termination campaign. <laughs> uh, and then uh, resurprised me again by striking up a conversation with um. He speaks th- goblin. He speaks goblin. Yeah. Where did that come from? Is Apparently, that like, he's, just, yeah, somebody, somebody somebody pulls out a skill never before uh, you, or yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have come up anyway. But Which, that's... I'll say I agree with you in the, in in what you said during the session that like 
rewarding someone for pulling out a skill that they're never going to be able to use again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. never going to be able to use the goblin language again in this camp. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like this, this is it. This is that's this probably is fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so not doing that is like, all right, you, you use it and it's effective. It, 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 you know, yeah, like, I'm it, gonna it, reward you. It's not quite you know, you're not rolling uh, you're not expending a resource, but like you said, you're using you're utilizing a skill and he's role playing it very well. So I was like, all right, mm-hmm. you're not going to have to roll any social checks. He's just going to be very open and cuz he's going to see that as a sign of respect and just kind of open up about a lot of the situations here. So yeah. Um that was that was a fun role playing moment. I realized we had spent so long with it though that when I got back to you guys, I was like, "All right, we're gonna do y'all's things then for a little bit too, because that's a hard thing to pace." And then, meanwhile, this is happening, and this is happening at this oh, time. Yeah. Um, and I thought it'd be interesting to have you guys be in there when the reveal happens, and then he's still out, and and Thibble-Weed's still out there talking to the other guy, not realizing what the situation, and then Frey's back in the wagon, not completely <laughs> knowing the situation. Yeah. Which could be interesting, help or hindrances things. I think you maybe have a message spell that you could take advantage of that has. Ways. I don't know how any of that works, but yeah. this is definitely a punting the ball to you guys. And then we get to the final reveal, which, as you correctly predicted, uh, this was not a goblin at all. Dude in a mask. It's a dude in a mask. That's literally what we said the very first time we heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably just somebody else doing this. That's funny. Yeah. So just a gnome in a mask. I will but say. That, which, that was shocking. That was that was like oh like wow wow but more shocking than that reveal was the get me out of here reveal because what based on everything we had heard about him thus far I was expecting somebody who like was relishing their like I'm commanding the, the goblins role you know they built a whole fucking fortress here mm-hmm. so for him to like immediately be like hey I need egress I mean I try to paint a picture of how bad this tribe is doing right now. And um, the yeah. the leader even said, like, hey, the, the, the chief's responsible for this. So I guess I shouldn't spoil too much, but you're, you might be gathering some the fact that maybe this guy sees the writing on the wall. And oh, yeah. you, I mean, you, you don't know his backstory or how he's involved with the goblins or anything yet. That's still to come. But I, I'll just say as much as that, he's maybe saying, like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to yeah. be fucking deposed. Like, get me the fuck out of here. Which, if that's the case, we may be able to play it very smart. Give give the goblins what they want, and give this gnome what he wants. Up to you guys. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's one of those moments where, again, it, it's a complete, you know, obviously a side quest, and you guys can decide, you know, entirely how it. I'm just, I just create these complications, and you guys decide um, how to handle them. Yeah. I will say you. Uh, I don't know how much I should spoil of this. Um, maybe I shouldn't spoil it yet. I, I had a cutscene, a more dramatic reveal for uh, his reveal, but when you uh, very wisely said, hey, we should talk alone, and then dismiss that goblin, oh, yeah. uh, we kind of fast-forwarded past that. <laughs> I will say that. Because <laughs> obviously, okay. uh, he, you anticipate he would not, you know, he looked around anxiously and didn't want, you know, when he actually revealed himself with the other goblin, so... Right, yeah, sort of been harder for him maybe to come out. Yeah, I had a little bit of a, a little bit of a more dramatic scene planned for that, but uh, yeah. it may still happen, so we'll uh, we'll save that in my back pocket. But I right, I did yeah. say this is where I wanted. To end. What's funny is it was like 
maybe 10 after 11 or something my time when you guys were making the keep and I was like oh man if I do the, the scene now I guess I could end the stream it'd be a little on the early side but I still think it's a great it's a really great moment to end the story on and that's when we started talking to the goblin yeah. and we had that huge conversation <laughs> I was like this is perfect this is thank this you, is, thank you. yeah this is this is pacing wise this is amazing you're gonna strike up a conversation at the end here do some nice role-playing moments yeah and you know and it, it ended up being really great timing i was like okay now i can do the mvpc poll and of course he's gonna fucking uh demolish that one <laughs> yeah based on the combat fight based on this uh conversation and then i could pace it better with the actual reveal ending it yeah so i will say you guys got as far as i had planned with the caveat that i didn't have anything st really strictly planned from this point on it, it really is like okay what's y'all's plan and then i'm gonna try to react to it from right. here on out in terms of right. now you have this situation he can obviously tell you some more, you know, about what's going on, but um, that's the situation that you're in. Interesting. All right. This is very much a, like, how, like here's the setup. How do you resolve it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be a very quick quest line, I think. Um, I, I, I mean, you, we could probably, unless it turns into a gigantic shit show fight, um... Which, even then, I mean, that would probably, you know, take you to the exit, I would assume. So, I, I don't I don't see this this area lasting more than next session, honestly. Yeah. Which is interesting, considering how huge of a map it is. I know. It's set up like it's going to be some, like, big... I mean, I, I think it's a cool idea whenever you get to a big area that's not hostile, and you make it deep into it, and all of a sudden it has the potential of suddenly turning hostile on you. And you're like, oh shit, I just went past all these things that now are going to turn hot. Yeah, it's for, video games do a lot of that shit. So I think that's a pretty cool moment. Uh, but weirdly enough, yeah, this is... Yeah, it is, but I, I think the D&D players, or at least our group specifically, tend to be like, okay, now we have to do everything in our power not for not to become hostile. Like, it becomes yeah, like yeah. imperative, like... This is a non-hostile situation. Keep it non-hostile. What's funny is, you know, I'm obviously using a map with tokens, but the goblins are as many as I need them to be, because... This is just the home base of the goblins. There's just shit everywhere. Yeah, goblins are not very strong. You guys could kick their ass, but sure. there's yeah, a yeah, bunch of like goblins. Them. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, do we have? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So I, I did soften you guys up a little bit, but honestly, I don't. You cast. Uh. God, did you cast any fuck? I mean, you use command. But I think that's your faith thing, right? Yep. My fate, my fate step, and my fate command are both my uh, okay. feet. So neither one of those were spell slots. Yeah. I did use two bardic inspiration. But you got those back because you short rested. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did, we did short rest. Yeah. So yeah, you, got, you can throw those around like crazy. I noticed fucking <laughs> my wife hangs onto those fucking rages. Ah! Never raged in that fight despite it being a huge fight. On a short rest, does she? No, those are long rest. Okay. Yeah, which I think is annoying, but I'd rather have fewer yeah. rages and get it back on a short rest than have to. Because that's your whole thing, and to have to manage that per long rest is would be a tricky situation. But I haven't mentioned like it's late in the day, and yeah, you got a whole dungeon coming up, but you've got three rages. But yeah, <laughs> she did not. Because uh, the chat was excited when I was doing crafting. It's like, oh, that cold is gonna get through a rage, and I was like, oh yeah, it is. And then she never enraged anyways. I was like, well, all right, <laughs> not worth the rage, I guess. Yep. So yeah, I'm excited. His green flame arm. Mm. <laughs> I about that. Man, that's that, it. Really sucks when you have the uh, just the one attack and he just whiffed like three times in a row. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was like, this is just not not your night. Like, there's some, and there's a lot of combat fights where he just does awesome things. Like, he's whipping, right. it's always the fucking whip, but he's whipping the, uh, whatever, the Dwerger guy off the balcony or whipping the Noel guy. And then here was just trying to use that flame blade and just failed every single time. And then the one whip he got off, like, hit. <laughs> That's what's funny. It's like, oh, is it the green flame blade? I don't, it shouldn't be, but yeah. is it? And, like, he's got all those uh, Shardolin bands he could be throwing. You guys were actually, as much as I did damage, you guys actually did a good job of conserving your damn resources. I think that's because it did. It, the, those creatures were deceptively effective. We yeah. thought, that, I think, I don't know about the rest of the uh, players, but my guess is that we were all thinking this was, like, a little, like, bump in the road fight. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, these are just, like... Almost, almost like like an intro to level five fight, you know. Yeah. Well, this this was your this was the first level five combat encounter we had. Yeah. Which is yeah. weird because we leveled up like two weeks ago, um, but we didn't have a combat session then. And I knew I could go pretty hard on you guys because you had you were fully rested and you were level five. Yeah. But if you notice, I still staggered those toads. I had yeah. one come out as a surprise round. The other came out but didn't even attack during the surprise round. You guys all went. Unfortunately, due to roll 20, I did try to, I rolled initiative for them. I should have done it before, but it mm. still shows up as a thing when, even though the GM layer. Right. And then did not have them go until the second round when they actually popped up and then attacked. So I staggered them a little bit, um, which I think makes it a little more dynamic anyway when it's, you know, oh, another yeah. round and more enemies appear. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Duca and Nick. That's very kind of you. Um we're a refreshing vibe in a sea of many contrived D&D games going on. Well, I don't want to shit on other D&D games, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll thank you, thank you for the compliments, uh, regardless. <laughs> I, I don't watch that many, to be honest. I don't either. Yeah. Um, what else is going on here? I think that's it's not set up right. Uh, that's interesting. I look at it. That's a. I know you had a complicated way of doing it that I just trusted you to do it. But you were and and sometimes it was always like ignore that damage, ignore this damage. It's something to do with maybe roll twenties uh, calculation it has, of it. I think because green flame blade is like part it bounce it like some of the damage bounces to another person. Yeah, it's and there's also no good like way part to of, part of your regular weapon. It's it's like you use a regular weapon and you green enhance. flame the weapon. Yeah, okay. I'll have to look at it because I yeah I just. I don't try to ever, uh, if if something I'm aware of, like the monk key point things for that couple came up a couple times with Celeste, I am aware of that. But there's a lot of stuff that I'm not aware of at all, like how Reese's Pierce thing works or yeah, Green Flame Blade, and I just kind of like shrug and say, okay, let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I I'm not sure. Um. That's uh, I think I think I had something similar set up for mine. I was I, like had my rapier attack, and then I had like an additional green flame blade attack if I was using that as as a spell. Mm. Yeah. Do you cast it as part of doing the attack, or do you cast yeah. it once? Okay. Yeah, as part of the it's part of the attack. Yeah, I, cause I think the spell reads like as part of a melee weapon attack. Okay. You know, you do the green flame thing. They added some of those. Yeah, some of those cantrips get a little complicated that were added later on. Yeah. Post, uh, I feel like Blade is like also technically literally a, uh, uh, I think. Yes. Kendra? I think it is a callback to that. Yeah, the green no, flame. I don't think it's actually technically an official, like, in the books. I, I think it, I think they made it official at some oh, point okay. as, as a callback to, like, an Akink reference. Yeah. I think it actually is an official one. 
but let's see what, what book it was in. But yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, hell, they released an entire official Acquisitions Inc. D and D five e book, so it, it might yeah. be in there. Oh, you're right. They they added it in Tasha's Cauldron and everything. Tasha's okay. Yeah, that's really they officially added it. I go. think when we ran Tomb. I think I was using it unofficially. I think I was using it because I saw it in. Oh, uh, interesting. I shouldn't have allowed that then. <laughs> I, I don't think I noticed. That's how much I don't. Yeah, I didn't notice either. Only official stuff here. It's retroactively official though, so there you go. I'm all right. I feel better about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, on the one hand, it's weird to yeah. deal with goblins at fifth level, but honestly, I thought this was a really cool situation and a unique scenario with the twist involved. Yeah, and it was a neat map. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm gonna throw it in there, and and. As what's probably going to end up happening is I don't think it's going to take that many sessions like a lot of the other ones have taken. So right. I think it'll end up being a little nice side jaunt. Okay, nice. But again, I don't know what's going to happen next session. Like You guys could aggro the entire thing or you guys could walk out without a single scratch. It really depends on what you're doing. I'll set up some multiple you know, complications and there'll be probably some checks and things involved. Or maybe you guys are going to be really clever and not have to need any of that. <laughs> I'm going to be excited to find out. Yeah, I have no idea. Well, we will see. Especially with us split up into like three different se with sections. Right? Yeah, right. you know, initially I thought, oh, my initial thought was like, oh, it's going to feel bad because all this shit happens inside. But I'm like, actually, this could be very interesting, especially if you guys aggro. It's going to be like the classic, like, Indiana Jones, like, start the plane. You know, let's get it. We got to, you're, you're the wheel man now. You got to fucking do the getaway. So uh, that, that could be a cool situation for sure. I think we also have a, as a group, uh, we have a optional, like in the video game parlance, the uh, optional subquest or whatever. Like, yeah. if you want to do this, which is gain Plista as a, as a permanent <laughs> NPC. Yeah. Have her stick around somehow. Somehow, yep, that that could happen as well. Be more of a pet uh, ally at that point than a, than a oh, full yeah, fledged party member. I mean, but I yeah. mean and that's what Raymond was. Raymond just wants her as a, as a cook. Yeah, <laughs> he just wants to stay in the wagon and cook food. Uh, that'd be fun. That's I, I would love for that to happen. I'll I'll try to make that happen. Um, it'll be up to you guys ultimately, but oh, yeah. that's something we haven't played around a whole lot with, which is having those kind of. Oh my god! Uncombatant. That's a great idea. Sorry, <laughs> said like Fendelweed or somebody of similar stature. Uh, take the goblin mask and become the new <laughs> chieftain. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, something I've heard from a lot of uh, folks, like in the Discord chat, and a lot of um, people I've been talking to about D and D. Uh, something that does happen in their games is their characters like soft retire based on events in the game, where their their player characters aren't killed off, but something happens where they're literally enticed away from the life of adventuring and the player is like yeah this makes sense and i'm just gonna roll a new character so i'm not saying that's what's gonna that's happen here but yeah. yeah but it'd be like if you're a warlock and your patron like calls you to do something specific and you it'd be like if you complete your personal arc or something your character's like no i'm gonna stay here and do this thing yeah. and then and you work you know with the dm obviously and they're like yeah you do that and then that person then just rolls a new character so it's not like your character died but they kind of fulfilled whatever their personal arc is, and they just they're done playing that character. So well, that hasn't happened with idea, us, yeah. obviously, and I don't know if anybody would even think to do that. But right, uh, you know, I'm never opposed to that kind of. I think it mostly probably comes of a stem of like, oh, I want to play a new character. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, and that's not something we usually uh have to involve. Generally, everybody seems pretty happy and and going with their character. But if, if somebody wanted to do that, I would definitely not be opposed to that. Yeah. Like a almost a soft retirement. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Chris, how do you feel about I, being Cannonball? Loses clothes every. We, we <laughs> forgot about that, but yeah, that is the little Looney Tunes like clothes disappear for a second. That's right. As long I think my only like reticence when it, when, when they were first just no mechanical head, detriment. No mechanical, yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, that would be fair. Oh, you don't have your spell book with you. It's still yeah. teleporting. But that's fine. He he can appear <laughs> naked on the wagon, and then a second later, or just just a brief second. Just yeah. Also erase it from your memory. <laughs> All right, I think that will do it for this week's Frostside chat. Thank you to Chris. Hopefully, uh, Raymond is doing well <laughs> with his acro. <laughs> when he gets when he gets summoned, he, he's he's Gonzo. Uh, but thankfully, it's he's probably asleep in the baby room. He, right yeah, now. that's he true. Man, it's rough because you make those baby move those baby rooms made to make human beings fall asleep. And then you have your overworked, like tired parent go in there, and it's just go fucking. There and have to sit there. It's just... horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you got the soothing music. I mean, there's like the a white noise. You rock, like, yeah. yeah, and you're just like, fuck, I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> it's awful, man. I feel for I it. I guarantee you. I guarantee wherever Raven is right now, he's asleep. <laughs> wherever he is, he's asleep. All right. Well, thank you to all the fans for watching, and we will see you all next week. Later.